happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the Charity Movement Podcast. My name is Kiera, and I'm so excited today because uh, the person that we have today is amazing. Um, she is a woman that I've watched close and far for years, especially being in Michigan and um, especially after I got married. She was such an inspiration. I know that she doesn't even remember this instance of when we were doing um, a little evangelism in her church at the time in Jackson. And they had just asked if I wanted to come along. And I had never came along in one of their um, evangelism efforts. And when I saw her and I saw how beautiful she ministered and how it was a part of her heart and not just in her words, it really showed me what ministry was, especially as a, a wife and as a mom, because her daughter was right along with her. And so she really showed me just what it meant to be purposeful in the way that we greet people and the way that we love people. And so I saved that and I stuck with it. And I seen her so many years from afar and she's just so sweet to be around. She has a million titles. Okay. A million. Okay. She is a professor. She is a um, advocate, a relationship advocate. She is so many other things that she will tell in this podcast, but I just want to give that intro because she's such an amazing person. I'm so happy today to be in this interview with her. Okay. So I present to you Kanina Adams. Okay. Welcome her to the Charity Movement Podcast. Hello. Thank you so <laughs> much for having me. What an amazing introduction. Now I got to live up to that. <laughs> oh, you do. You do. I promise. And after they hear you, I'm telling you they're they're going to know. They're going to know. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. How are you? I am well. I am doing really, really good. Busy as always, but it's a good busy. I, you know, you yes. hear people say busy all the time, but I like to add that good to it because, I mean, it is a good busy. There's a, a, a thing called being bad busy, yes. and I think it's a good busy. <laughs> good. That's amazing. That is amazing. So I guess the first question is, I know I gave a little introduction, but who uh -huh. is Tanina Adams? Who Ooh. is you? Yeah, who is she, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just to kind of condense who I am. So I am a mother of five children. Um, I am a wife. I've been married for 18 years, almost 19 wow. years. <laughs> um, as you've already mentioned, I am an adjunct professor at one of the local colleges in my city, Jackson, Michigan. I am also a PhD student where I am studying um, public and social policies, um, I'm a nonprofit founder and director, and I'm also a um, LLC owner. So that's just me kind of in a nutshell. Um, yeah. But I think it wouldn't be fair because, you know, a lot of times people tell you like all of the highlight stuff, but my story didn't always start off that way. And so as we, I, you know, just based off some of the questions that we have as we get further into the conversation, um, I will even touch on that because I think that's important for you guys to also know that, um, my story wasn't always pretty. Yeah. And it's part of the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do. But in a nutshell, that's pretty much who I am. <laughs> well, that is a mouthful. That's like two, three mouthfuls. And it just shows you that God definitely will give you everything that you need to juggle and to have order in your life. So that's mm -hmm. a good busy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when I just brought up balance and order, so mm -hmm. with everything that you have going on, how do you establish that order in your life to where you are not overexerting yourself? You are mm -hmm. not anxious. You are not tired all the time. How do you establish that order? 
And that's a very good question. Um, I'll be honest, initially, um, it was hard trying to figure out how to do it all, especially being a wife and being a mother, because I am of the belief that my first ministry is my husband and my children, hands down. And so I can't be out here saving the world and then my house is falling apart. So I'm really a strong family advocate. However, I really think that teamwork, teamwork with my family and teamwork with my husband um, plays a huge role in while I'm able to do all of the things that um, I've been blessed by God to do. And so it just boils down to discipline. Um, I'm a very disciplined person. And I think sometimes when people hear the word discipline, they kind of like, like, oh my God, you know what I mean? <laughs> Structure and, you know, kind of robotic when that's not the case at all. And what I mean by discipline, while I do all of those things, um, I've been blessed to say, hey, this is what I can do. This is what I will not do because I don't necessarily have like a nine to five job per se. Yeah. So a lot of what I'm doing, I control my own schedule. And so if I'm having a week, and Kanina is just not feeling it, I will take that entire week to take care of me, self-care, you know? Yeah. And so I'm a really strong advocate, especially women. Um, I can speak for myself after having five children, there's a lot of hormonal things that I experienced, um, emotional and just mental, if we can be honest. Yeah. And I had to be honest with me and say, hey, you know, you need to step back. And so for the first 10 years of my marriage, I stayed home. I didn't work outside the home. Wow. And so, a lot of that time, I didn't use that as just dead time. I actually prepared because I knew that God had um, other things that he wanted me to do. And so I would have these conversations with my husband. And while during that time, I was building and I was uh, perfecting that gift that um, God had given me. So balance comes in is knowing when to say no, knowing when you're listening to your body, when your yeah. body is saying, hey, pull back. I mean, I came from a ministry where we were in church what it seemed like six days a week. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to, you know, understand what my limitations were. And I had to be okay with that. Cause I think sometimes we're afraid to say no, or we're afraid to say, Hey, I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I came to a place where, um, for lack of better terms, I would say, y'all not going to kill me. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so I just had to find what worked for Kanina. And that mm. took time. And it took having those honest, authentic conversations with um, the people I was working with and my family. That is a great question. And that <laughs> is a great answer. I thank God for giving me that question because it's something that we all need to hear is that mm -hmm. we can't overexert ourselves. Mm -hmm. We cannot, you, we're no good to God if we are not in our full capacity to give him everything that he wants, whether it's in our careers, our mm -hmm. ministry, our life, whatever the case may be. If we're not at a place where we can work, right? how can we work? Right. And so you brought up how you had to basically start to look at yourself and reevaluate yourself mm -hmm. and say, hey, I need to step back. I need to take a week to myself. Mm -hmm. How did you know the signs? Like most people don't even see the signs until they're already burnt out. Right. And so I can speak from a personal standpoint. I don't know what, you know, everyone's story and or testimony is, but uh, just from, so as you already know, I have a background in social work. So as I started to delve even deeper into that field, when I was, you know, doing my undergrad degree, I started to look at some things that we were reading and I'm like, wait a minute, 
this sounds like me. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this sounds like my family. And in my family, um, one of the things that I had to just come to the realization is we had normalized dysfunction in my family. Mm. And we counted it as being a strong Black woman or, you know, what goes on in our house stays in our house. And for many years, I adopted that mentality. So in essence, I came to the mind, you know, I just came to the realization that doing healthy um, was more important to me than keeping things secret and not dealing with stuff head on. So some of the signs was I, as a child, um, I didn't realize what it was, but I had really bad, well, I mean, horrible anxiety attacks. Wow. And so I didn't know that it was anxiety. You know, my mom was a nervous, anxious person. Her mom was a nervous, anxious person. And so we normalized these behaviors. But as I began to mature and um, my husband and I, when we came together and he would say, you know what, you know, you, you're really like anxious sometimes. And I had just kind of become so accustomed to living in just like, you know, just panic all the time that I normalized it. And so God began to kind of deal with me and I had to go back to the root and say, hey, this is not normal. And I refuse yeah. to pass this on, particularly to you I mean my sons too, but particularly to my daughters. Yeah. And so it was things like where I would just be nervous all the time or feelings, you know, feeling overwhelmed, heart pumping, about to come out of my chest, not realizing that, hey, this is, you know, some some things that you need to talk about, Kanita. These yeah. are the things you need to work on. And so I started to do healthy. I said, you know what? It's going to offend some people. Some family members are going to be upset. Even some potential longtime friends may be upset, but I have to break the cycle. If I don't do it, then who's going to do it? And so right. I just came to that kind of moment of like that aha moment where God was like, look, if you really want to be healthy, you can speak, you can preach, you can do all of that, but I need you to be healthy. Like you can't do this if you're unhealthy. Yeah. So that's really was like the turning point for me as recognizing things that would overwhelm me. Granted, we know that we're going to get nervous. You know, it's part of how we're we're made. It's how we, you know, that fight or flight. That's how we know when yeah. something is dangerous. But when you're just nervous all the time, there's no reason to be nervous. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is not normal. Yeah. You know, thoughts just running like 50 miles an hour. And I started to deal with that stuff. And I started to learn some common mechanisms along with prayer. I believe in Jesus and therapy. And so I really had to just come to terms with, the fact that, you know what, Kanina, there's some things that you need to go back and make sure that you deal with from your own childhood and your own upbringing. And that's how God really began to show me, like, look, I want you to be healthy in every yeah. single aspect of your life. He's not just one dimensional. He cares about Amen. every aspect of our lives. That's right. I agree. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you You're so welcome. much. So you alluded to your childhood and mm -hmm. your upbringing. How did you Based on all of that, how did you become the woman that you are today? So I like to, um, I always talk about, especially when I'm talking to either someone I'm mentoring or even my children, I like to look at my life as like this puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. And you know how you get the puzzle and it's broken up into all these pieces. And if you can put those pieces together and figure it out, you feel like you've conquered the world, right? For those of you who actually like to do puzzles. And so I started to ask God, okay, where, do, where does this fit? Where does this fit in my life? And going back to my childhood, again, um, I don't know if you're familiar with adverse childhood experiences. Um, it's also known as ACEs. So basically, essentially what that is, 
is it's a score chart. And if you've experienced um, a certain amount of things, uh, particularly traumatic events when you were a child, such as um, molestation or um, verbal abuse or someone committed suicide or there was alcoholism, there's this whole list of things. And if you have over four, you're considered very high risk. You're more likely to be on drugs, more likely to have suicidal thoughts, more likely to um, do all of these um, negative things throughout your life. My score was an eight. Wow. <laughs> and so I went back and I started having conversations with my mom. I reconnected with my dad. I got a DNA test because I wanted to just kind of see some of our genetic things. And then I coupled that because I'm a woman of faith with the word of God. And I said, OK, God, <laughs> you said that you would that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prosper. But you can't heal from something if you don't know what it is. Yeah. And so God had to show me like these are the things. And these are just symptoms of a deeper problem. And so as I started to dig and actually deal with my reality and have those hard conversations with those who are willing to actually have the conversations, then I started to come up with a plan. I'm like, this is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to do this. And here we are 20 years later, and I'm not perfect by no means, but I am very intentional about my health. I'm very intentional about my space, and I'm very intentional about my family and what I do. So I don't just do things for the sake of doing them. Um, and that's what I started to understand, even from the word of God. You know, he's a very particular guy. He's very strategic. And I said, you know what, Lord, teach me. I want to yeah. know how to do this well. <laughs> Absolutely. So how does it feel to be an example to people? You counsel people, mm -hmm. you're active, you, you know, your husband, you guys pastor. How do you counsel people? So I am really of the belief that everybody has a story. Um, you know, you hear people kind of throw that out there like, you know, your voice matters, your story matters. But I don't think people really understand that. And whenever I'm talking with someone, I try to come from the place of just kind of how we're having this conversation now. Who are you? You know, even if they don't fully know, I want to know what it is that they've kind of um, visualized themselves as being and yeah. what perceptions they have, what what ideas do they have about themselves and how were they framed and shaped? Like, why do you feel this way about yourself? And to me, being an example is because um, I feel like there's a thin line between, you know, transparency and also that protection even of my own family and things. So I yeah. when I'm talking to people, might like be genuine, but only share with me what you're comfortable um, with sharing. Because I feel like you have to be at a, a place of maturity to talk about some of those deeper um, things that have happened in your past or whatnot. So to me, being an example is because I've healed from so much is letting them know that I'm a real person yeah. because I can throw out all my titles all day long, you know, but and it may impress somebody. But when they know how I did it, why I did it. Yeah. And I, and I talk about that. It's like, they open up like a butterfly and then we get down to, okay, well, have you considered this? I hear you saying this, mm -hmm. have you considered that? And I think, um, even from a Christian perspective, uh, we've been taught, go pray about it. And, and, and I'm all for it. I believe that without prayer, you really don't have a game plan. Um, but I also believe that we have to deal with it because the church is like a hospital. So if yeah. people are coming in, right, and they have these issues that they bring into the hot, what's the first thing the doctor does? He gets that chart out. He wants to know what's the symptoms. Yeah. Where does it hurt? How long have you been having this problem? Then they come up with a treatment plan. So that's the approach that I like to have when I deal with people across the board. 
what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a deep question when you brought up how the church is a hospital. And of course, the doctor comes with his pen and his chart and he's jotting everything down. And you ask the question, where does it hurt? Mm -hmm. That question is so layered because there are so many people hurting Mm -hmm. and they are bleeding in different areas and they don't even know where it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so beautiful that Mm -hmm. you, before you were even knowing that you were going to be counseling people down the line, you actually took the steps to Mm -hmm. find out where you were bleeding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's so amazing for people to hear because there are so many people that are struggling that are fighting for their lives and they don't even know how to fight. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit there was a time when I didn't know I had normalized just coping, you know, just kind of surviving. Should I say, I just learned how to just deal with stuff. Uh, But uh, back to the whole doctor analogy, sometimes you don't know. So what do they do? They run tests, they Mm -hmm. run you through machines and then they ultimately find the problem because many times we don't even know. And so I think that's a great point that you bring up because sometimes we don't know. So sometimes we don't know. So do you ever know when you're starting to feel pressure? Like even as a wife, a mother, you're leading and everything. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you're feeling pressure? So again, um, we're not just, you know, spiritual beings. We, our body tells us what's going on. Uh, There's a doctor that I have followed for years. I've had the honor of meeting her in person. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's also a Christian, um, doctor like it's you know and i know there's a lot of them out there now but i really love her books and the content in there because she talks about the connection between the mind and the body and how uh you know your brain it's flexible it you know and it can change and it's moldable and she puts it in such layman's terms that i mean literally my little kids can understand it but all of that to say uh like your brain sends signals to your body when something is off And back to the point that I made earlier, sometimes we've normalized it and we ignore the signs. We ignore the signals and we don't address the issue uh, sometimes until it's too late or until it's like chronic. And so what I've learned to do over the years is when I when I feel something and it's off, I will immediately say, "Okay, is this just a day? Because we're going to have those days. Nobody's just going to have a a day where you're just not feeling, you know, we're just feeling happy all the time. We're human. But I've learned to recognize those triggers. And I like to use the word trigger because there are certain things that will trigger certain past emotions or it'll trigger things. And I don't even realize that that was a trigger point for me. So I really ask God, you know, like, teach me your ways. You know, our heart, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I'm like, God, show me the things in me that I may not even understand about myself. And so I just really listen to my body and my thought process. If it's off, I'm like, okay. Girl, you need a couple of days. <laughs> you need a break. Um, you do it too much because while I am what a lot of people don't understand, I I can be very introverted. I talk because I have to. <laughs> but um, and once I get going, I get going. But I love like just being to myself, being in my room, reading books. I'm an avid reader, and so I just have to know what I need, and I listen um, to my body because I'm a very vocal person when I need to be and I'm very forthright and I'll say what's on my mind. So to filter all of that, I pay attention to my triggers to say the least. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So this episode is called discomfort zone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I thought about it because 
um, a lot of times we get comfortable in dysfunction, mm-hmm. like you said. And a lot of times God's intention is to move us to mm-hmm. a place that we are not comfortable, but it's good for us in order for us to grow. Mm-hmm. So how important is it to move past fear and to allow God to move you out of your regular comfort zone to take you into the place that he wants you to be? I think is at the top of the list. Um, We know that there's no fear in love. And I think a lot of times when you talk about love, people think of like the emotional component of it. And they don't understand that love is obedience. You know, love is following what God is telling you to do. And while you may not know exactly, you know, what that route is going to look like, you know, that there's, you're going to get to the destination. I always kind of compare it to that GPS system, right? Mm -hmm. We get in our cars. We say, hey, boom, boom, I want to go to Florida. We have no clue what's in between I'll use Jackson and Florida. We don't know what we're going to encounter in between that time, but that GPS is saying, turn right, turn left. And we are confidently following it. We got our bags, (laughs) packs, snacks. I mean, we're just going blindly, honestly. And I like to use natural examples like that because that's typically how God talks to me and how he has talked to me over the past 20 plus years. So I feel like Um, putting our trust and faith in God in those uncertain moments in our lives is so essential and it's so important. And a lot of people say, oh, so does that mean you don't have fear? No, if you look all throughout scriptures, most of them were afraid of whatever it is that they were called to do, but they did it scared, right? They did it in uncertainty because they trust that even though, you know, I can't comprehend this, I believe God for it. And one of the things that, you know, just as a woman of faith, I always like to quote the scripture as high as the heavens are above the earth. So are your ways than my ways. And that helps me to understand like, okay, Kanina, you're not going to always figure it out. You just have to trust that God's plan is going to work out and you have to be okay with those uncertain moments. And you're going to be afraid sometimes, and it's going to be scary sometimes, but what's on the other side is so much better than staying stuck in that spot, you know, and then regretting it years later. And so I'm just a person. I don't like to just be making it. I want to thrive. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And I just, I just love how you talked about that. Like you don't just want to be in a situation you want to thrive in it mm-hmm. and I, I find that a lot of times we don't like being outside of our comfort zone because of a lack of control mm-hmm. and for some of us who are you know in our ways in terms of wanting control we like things a certain way mm-hmm. when God is like well I want you to do this and it's way left <laughs> what we want. We're like, wait a minute wait a minute God right this may not be right So how has it felt in those times through that journey with God where Mm -hmm. he was literally taking you out of your comfort zone and into where he was he was taking you? Mm -hmm. I mean, just being honest, um, it didn't feel good at all. Um, There were times I wanted to run. I wanted to say, you know what? I think you called the wrong person. I think you got this one wrong, God. (laughs) And that's the thing when I when you look at God from a that father perspective, you know, what do kids do? You know, they go to, especially my daughters, like daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, I didn't have that growing up, but seeing that and seeing that relationship between my husband and my daughters, and now I have that relationship with, you know, with my heavenly father, I'm just honest with him. I'm like, Lord, I'm scared. Um, 
I, I, I don't, I'm not feeling this yeah. and, and, and uh, I haven't been feeling it, you know, and that's where the faith component comes in because it's not based on our feelings because our feelings are so deceptive. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I've had moments where I just wanted to give up. I'm like, God, I, I can't do this. But then that's when I had to push past, you know, how I'm feeling, push past my finite thinking yeah. and really trust God for who he is. And it doesn't always feel good. And and I'm of the belief that with anything, you have to just endure that process. Um, I'm a mom. I've had five kids. I want my body to look a certain way. And my husband is really big on working out. And I think he always tells me, um, you're not going to change your body or your, your physique by sitting in the parking lot of the gym. <laughs> you got to go in there. Go you in have there. to actually do it. And so I like to apply a lot of those natural examples yeah. when I'm feeling just like, ugh. and God will just speak to my heart. He'll speak to my spirit and say, just imagine this is you lifting that weight. You know what I mean? And if you want that muscle to get stronger, you're going to have to push hard yeah. or you're just going to stay the way you are, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love how God, you know, in his word, he alludes to us being soldiers and enduring mm-hmm. hardness as a good soldier. Yes. Good soldiers allow themselves to go through pressure because they know that pressure is going to produce experience and that experience is going to produce them to be examples to others. Exactly. And so that goes into my question of, you know, how important is it? For us to encourage others from even not just from the things that we've gone through, but mm-hmm. the way that we know God. How do we encourage mm-hmm. people to know him that way? And I think, too, I think I'm a, you know, that you, you talked about this earlier, too, like relational. I don't think a lot of people look at God from a relationship standpoint. Mm-hmm. They look at okay. it. OK, it's this God somewhere sitting and he's he has this checkbook. And he's marking what I did right and what I did wrong. Granted, I believe in righteousness. I believe in holiness. But I don't think that's something that you tell people to do per se. I think that's something that's built through relationship. Nobody put a shotgun to my head and told me, you better love your husband. I chose to love him because of the way that he loved me. And so I think when we present God in that way to people, that he's a relational God and that he actually cares about you. Now, granted, just like with any father or any parent, when you don't do things right or you're you're not doing stuff the right way, there's some consequences to that. And so I'm all for that. But it's from a place of love. I don't say no to my children because I hate them. I say no because I have something better for them or I know what's best for them. And so all of that to say, uh, I think encouraging people to just have that relationship and just be honest with where they are in their walk with God. And I think for me, that is what has kept me. That is what has sustained me. And when God had to correct me, he correct me. And when he had to encourage me, he encouraged me. He's constantly speaking life to us. You know, he said, I would that you have life and that you would have it more abundantly. And I think we, we kind of miss that a lot of times. And people don't realize that he came to give life. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that is what he came for. He came to give life. And so I like to encourage people by speaking life into them. And part of speaking life may be saying, hey, this might not be the best option for you. That's still speaking life. Telling you no is not because I hate you or I despise you or because I want to control you. You know, it's Mm, that might not work out the way you're you're thinking it's going to work out. And what you said earlier, that experience <laughs> that I've had has taught me that's not the route you want to go. Look, just use my life as an example. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. 
So what things throughout your life mm-hmm. to get to this place of abundant life, what type of things, and you don't have to say anything in specific, but what type mm-hmm. of things have you had to sacrifice in order to position yourself to where you can have that relational building and relational growth with God? That's a good question. Um, I would say the first thing is yourself. (laughs) You know, we're living epistles, right? We're bought with a price. We're not our own. And so I had to come to that understanding and that realization and actually accept the fact that I've been handcrafted, handmade by a God who knows everything about me. He knows the number of the hairs on my head and he ultimately wants what's best for me. And so I had to sacrifice my own will. I had to sacrifice my own perceptions, even my past. While it's part of my story, I could not use that as an excuse as to why I should stay stuck or shouldn't move forward. Because a lot of times we we hang on to that and that's kind of like our crutch. So I had to let go of everything that Kanina thought, everything that Kanina wanted and say, okay, God, I'm truly acknowledging you in all my ways and I'm going to let you direct my path. That is hard because I'm a type A person. I want to know what's <laughs> happening when it's happening, why it's happening, who did it, you know, that's just who I am. But yeah. my relationship with God is just not that way. It's literally like, okay, what are we doing, Lord? Where are we going? And so he had to just call me over the years so that I became confident in him. And through that, we know, we know we read that scripture a lot about the goodness of the Lord leading us to repentance. And so he would be good. And I'd be like, okay, what you about to talk to me about? Cause you just, <laughs> wait a minute now. You just blessed me real good this week, you know? And so I had to even get comfortable with the blessings of God because yeah. sometimes we feel like we shouldn't be blessed or we shouldn't, you know, we don't deserve it. And we get all that. But at the same time, I had to just sacrifice Kanina, sacrifice my own ways, my own thoughts. And then from a practical standpoint, there was some literal sacrifices, sacrificing of time, um, sacrificing of different things that I wanted to do to achieve certain things. We never owned a house as a kid. I owned a house by the time I was 23 years old, but that took sacrifice. I was the first to do everything in my family. That's a lot of pressure. You know, the first to get married, the first to go to college, the first to buy a house. And while everybody's like, oh, that's great. It was hard. And it took me making some sacrificial decisions in order to put my family in those particular positions, coupled with the partnership with my husband. It was a lot of work. And so now my children, all they that's all they know. But before that, we don't have that legacy. My husband does, but we didn't have that. I love that you brought up the fact that you had to sacrifice things now so that your children wouldn't have to. Exactly. And I think that that's a perfect example of your discomfort zone. You Mm -hmm. were able to obey God and allow him to perfect you in some areas that Mm -hmm. you need to be perfected. And perfection is not saying that I'm at this standard, but it's saying that I am at an acceptable Mm -hmm. way and a rate that God is pleased with my life. That's Mm -hmm. what what I mean by perfected in certain areas. Because I don't want people to think that this is like an intangible way that you can't reach I'm right saying it that way right so with that being said I think that that is amazing because I like you I I didn't see a lot of that stuff growing up like I my parents were, were married my whole life but I we never owned a home we were mm-hmm. from paycheck to paycheck and mm-hmm. sometimes no paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck and so to be where I am now where I sacrifice so much and now I'm seeing the blessings of the Lord that maketh rich 
and mm-hmm. addeth no sorrow. Right. I think it encourages us to know that it is okay to accept the blessings of God mm-hmm. and it have no sorrow attached to it. Right. Because you've gone through the discomfort. You've mm-hmm. gone through the, and I call it battle scars. You have those yes. battle scars <laughs> where you have with God, where you've labored mm-hmm. and you're seeing the rewards. So I think mm-hmm. that's amazing that you, you don't apologize mm-hmm. for the things that God has done for you. Right. So yeah. I, I, think that that is, I think that that is a blessing. So my next question is, why did you even choose, you know, early in the conversation, you talked about social work. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose social work? You know, at the beginning, um, I I knew that I wanted to help people, but I just didn't know how to do it on a larger scale. Um, I came into the church when I was like 18 years old. This broken, wounded young girl uh, who had uh, two small children because I was a teen mom at the time. And I knew that I wanted to give back. I knew that I wanted to help. But I knew I wanted I knew God was dealing with me to do it um, even beyond the church walls. And I didn't necessarily know how to do that. And so as I was, you know, growing in God and I started to kind of I wanted to go back to school because at that time I was a, a dropout. Um, I was a high school dropout. I didn't even have a high school education at that time, but I always loved knowledge. I always loved reading. I was just always just kind of drawn to it, but I didn't have the supports, right? I didn't have none of, I didn't have any of that growing up. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to school. And so just to kind of make a long story short, I went out to our local college, actually the college that I teach at right now. Wow. (laughs) And I enrolled into a course and it was an English course and they had me take like this test to kind of like place me and all of like my human communication skills were just like off the chart like everything i tested off the chart and i said what can i do with this and there was a an advisor there and there was i I don't know if they called him a student navigator at that time but whatever the terminology they used they said you know what kanina you might want to consider social work and the rest was kind of history. Um, however, I do have one small insert. There was a social worker who worked for uh, DHS at that time is what they were called in Jackson. And she was my mom's social worker for our family because, you know, we were on uh, public assistance, things of that nature. And I just admired her. And I told her, I said, you know what? I want to be like you when I grow up. I want to help people. And I didn't really connect the dots until I went back to school. And I said, wow, I knew a long time ago. I just didn't know, (laughs) you know, what that would look like in reality. So yeah, it was just having other people speak life into me. They saw the gifts, they saw the talents, they saw the potential, but like how to actually make that a reality. I needed people to help me along the way. And so I was just one of those people. I, I researched it and said, you know what? how can I best help people And social work was just like the, the best route for me. Cause it's such a broad field and there's so much that I could, could do with it. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Like, it's like, I'm learning about you all over again. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> That's so beautiful because I know that there are young women mm-hmm. that are where you were mm-hmm. and they are wondering if they can, you know, come back from where they are. Mm-hmm. And the answer is you're seeing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. You mm-hmm. can. Nothing mm-hmm. is impossible with God. And I I love that. That is so that mm-hmm. is so amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm about to cry. Oh no. <laughs> that happens every time. Okay. Oh, it's okay. I look, I have to hold myself <laughs> together too when I be telling the story because you kind of look back and then you're like, wait a minute. 
that really did just happen, right? Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. It's just it's just that God is God is so good mm-hmm. and knowing that it doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. God can still reach you. God yeah. can still use you and God can still clean you up to the point that you don't look like nothing that mm-hmm. you've been through. And so, that is so cliche, but it is so, it's so true. true. It's so true. <laughs> I, was younger, I was like, oh my goodness, why do they keep saying this? Like, uh-huh. okay, we get it. Right. But the older I get and the more that I experience God's mm-hmm. love and his grace and his forgiveness and mm-hmm. just growing in him, it's like, God, you really, you really yeah. clean us up. Yes, seriously. <laughs> like you did that, Lord. <laughs> that Jesus. Okay. So the last question is, is there anything that you're working on that mm-hmm. we can know about? We know that you're doing a ton of things. So <laughs> can you just let the, the hearers and the viewers know what you're doing? Yeah. So like you said, there's a lot going on right now, but one thing in particular that I am doing. Um, so I have my Kanina Adams page, not aside from like the regular profile page on Facebook. And so my master's is not in social work, it's actually in communication. And I couple those two together because I love to educate, right? Yeah. So essentially what I am doing is I have what I call my chat room. That's actually where I'm at right now. (laughs) And so um, I will actually be doing talks and I will be reaching out, hint, hint, (laughs) (laughs) to individuals to go live with me to talk about various topics um, and because I like to look at things from a very holistic standpoint, it won't just necessarily be geared towards like one particular area in life. So I may have a politician on one day or a community advocate. It's just, it just depends on um, what that topic is for that month or, and so I'm kind of working on that and I've been putting little things out there, but my page, Kanina Adams is one of the pages in the platform that I will be streaming live, um, conversations and just having healthy, holistic conversations. And my whole thing is healthy and holistic doesn't mean perfect. Um, there's a way to have conversations in a healthy way, even when you disagree. And so I'm all about respect and just having critical thinking skills. And so one of the things that I endeavor to do is to talk about topics and things that people would otherwise kind of shy away from because we don't know how to do healthy well. You know what I mean? We yeah. think if I don't agree with you, then we can't have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to like pick at it, you know, and say, hey, let's have these discussions from a healthy, holistic standpoint. So it's called Kanina's Chat Room. That's one of the things that I'm doing. And I'm working on my second book, but I don't want to put like a date out because I'm yeah. still polishing um, it up. And it's about how to heal from like religious trauma because a lot of people say, oh, church hurt, the church hurt me and different things like that. And I want to change the narrative. So it's not a, a tell all, let's spill the tea type of book. Yeah. It's a I understand, you know, it's not the church that hurts you, people, flawed human beings, and yeah. um, we can heal from those things. And the church is great. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so despite what you've heard, like the church is still great. God's people are still great. And just kind of looking at things from a, a healthy perspective, um, even if it it hurts sometimes, you know, we want to talk about how to get healthy again. Absolutely. I think that that is <laughs> Um, such a good, Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the next release. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Kanina, thank you so much. No, thank you. Podcast. I'm like, my eyes are like, I'm so glad that the camera is back 
because my <laughs> eyes are so watery because <laughs> you know it's just those moments where god just reassures you like you know i'm here number one i'm here mm-hmm. number two i'll take care of you even in your discomfort mm-hmm. and number three you don't have to look like what you have been through absolutely so thank you so much for being a part of the charity movement podcast. Thank you to all who were listening and remember that the only one stopping you is you remember Come to on. like share and subscribe and we will see you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>